If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We've got words on the screen. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you, uh, if you are a Christ follower, to bring your Bible week in and week out um, to church so that you can read uh, from your own Bible um, what God has to say. We are kind of drawing uh, this series called Illuminate a little bit to a conclusion this week and next, and uh, it, uh, it has been a good six weeks broken up there by communion, and I want to encourage you, um, if, uh, if you haven't been here or perhaps you have missed uh, one, of the, one of these six weeks in this series called Illuminate, I want to encourage you to go to our website and check it out. Um, down at the bottom of our website, which is uh, hiltonheadislandcc.org, down at the bottom of that is a little uh, button that you can click, podcast, and you can go and you can listen um, to the previous weeks. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that, go back and, and listen, um, because in, in this particular series, uh, each message somewhat builds on the previous one. And uh, so today it might be a little bit out of context, and so I want to encourage you to go back and do that. But as a way of review, um, I'll kind of bring some of you up to speed if you haven't been here. And in week one, a few weeks ago, we learned about the fact that um, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ, but to really illuminate our world with the message of Jesus Christ, we have to become followers. And there were many of you who raised your hand and said, you know, I've, I've, I've believed for a long time but I've never really followed Jesus Christ. You know, like a true follower, like sold out to him kind of follower. And many of you made the commitment to become followers of Jesus in week one. In week two, we learned that there are intentional acts that we have to do, disciplines that we need to do to grow closer to Jesus, to have a vibrant spiritual life. And so we learned that in week two. In week three, um, Pastor Cody, our student pastor, taught us that it's important to be a person worth remembering. And in that message, he introduced a term that I want us to use here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and that term is pre-Christian. I want us to think of our friends who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior as pre-Christian because there's a lot of hope built in there, isn't there? And uh, a lot of anticipation of them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, by the way, um, I've listened to his message twice now, and it's one of the best messages I've heard this year. And uh, I want you to, in particular, go back and listen to Cody's message. Great message from our student pastor, so I'm excited about that. Last week, we talked about the fact that if we're going to be people who illuminate our world, that we have to listen to and be attentive to and, and be prompted by... <clears throat> the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you only got that if you were here last week, so you have to go back and listen now, okay? Um, and we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit prompts us <clears throat> to do things in our life, and we have to be attentive to that fact in our lives um, if we want to illuminate our world. Today, I want us to consider what the next step is in illuminating the world around us. And I believe that the next step in illuminating our world around us is getting into our mind and getting into our soul and getting into who we are as people. If you're a Christ follower here in this room, that you represent Jesus Christ in your time here on earth. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are his representative here on earth. We're in the throes of this little thing called a U.S. election right now, aren't we? And um, you see it everywhere. You see it on TV. 
Um, fortunately, um, we're kind of in the gap of our uh, U.S. elected fish officials here in, in, uh, in our region, but, um, you know, we do have this major election coming up with a presidential election, don't we? And um, some of you are like, oh, great, he's going to talk about politics. I'm not going to talk about politics, I promise. And I want to let you know this, just before I go into this illustration any further. Um, you will not hear me talk about politics from this stage. You won't hear me endorse a candidate. You won't hear me talk about a political position because it's my position as your pastor that our message is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's the message that you'll hear from this stage on Sunday morning in and out. And I want you to know that. Having said that, having said that, we um, all who are Christians and all who are part of the United States, we have a responsibility to get out and to vote. And so I want to encourage you to go out two weeks from this Tuesday and vote and vote your conviction how God leads you in your vote. And so I want to encourage you to get out there and vote. But I got thinking about this as, and I'm a, I'm a political junkie. I was a poli-sci major. Um, I drive Cynthia nuts because I like to watch the debates. I love watching the debates. I love hearing these guys because I know they're just saying whatever they want to to get elected. And it's hilarious in some cases. And so in some cases, it's not so funny, but um, it's, it's, I like the political process. I, I like watching. I got thinking about this the other day. This is very interesting. Here in the United States of America, um, and, and when I entered college and I was in a political science pre-law degree, one of the first things that I learned in that degree is the fact that we, um, we are not a democracy. And one of my professors said that and I went, wait a minute, yes we are, we're a democracy. And he went on to explain that we are a constitutional representative republic. All right, okay, now you're being nerdy, prof, but that's okay, he was right. We don't go out and our vote one-on-one -on -one doesn't count for the president of the United States. We elect electors in the state who then vote those votes who are the most in this state. And so it's a representative republic. And our vote matters, but it's not a one-to-one -one vote. And because of that, it's not a true democracy, even though we have a democratic form of government. And uh, so I got thinking about that. We are represented by so many different people in the halls of government, aren't we? We elect a president, we elect a vice president, every American has two senators, we all have one U.S. Uh, House of Representative, representative. we all have in our states, uh, different states are different, but here in the state of South Carolina we have a uh, state house representative and we have a state senate representative. And then we have a governor and a lieutenant governor that we elect. And then on the local level, we have a mayor that we elect. And then we also have a town councilman that is, you know, in your particular part of Hilton Head Island, if you live on Hilton Head Island, that you, you elect. And I got thinking about it. Take away, you know, some of the uh, industry-specific things that we elect. We have like 11 people who represent us in the halls of government. Isn't that incredible to think about? We have 11 people, I counted up, we have 11 people that represent us and many more in different specific areas that we elect and they go to that place of government, whether it's the U.S. House of Representatives or the state senate here in South Carolina or a town council just right down the road here at our local town and they vote and they make decisions and they speak on behalf of the citizens of whatever that region is. We are Jesus Christ's representatives here on earth. 
We represent him here on our time here on earth. And I want you to think about that. When you see these guys yapping away tomorrow night, and when you see the commercials, this message has been endorsed by fill in the blank. Just think about the fact that you represent Jesus here on earth. And I think if we can get that to settle in our minds, if we can get that to settle in our spirits that we actually represent, I want you to catch this, the God of the universe, the one that spun the stars into space, and the one who created you, as Psalm says, in your mother's womb, the one that knit you together, the one that knows every single part about you, the one that put the universe into place, you represent the son of that living God. And that's a high calling, isn't it? If you're a Christ follower, that's a high calling. Let's face it. That's not easy. It's not easy to even get our minds around it. It's particularly not easy for us to do. And I think that Luke, as he writes the book of Acts, gives us an idea of what it means to be Jesus Christ's representative here on earth. And I think it's found in Acts 1.8. Let's take a look at it here this morning. Luke is writing that really the history of the first church and Jesus was uh, uh, killed on a cross and he was put in a tomb and then he was resurrected three days uh, later. They, they went back to that tomb and he was gone. And, and so um, they... Um, uh, he, he went up to heaven to be with God the Father, and he came back down on earth, and Luke, is rec he records what happened when Jesus came back down on earth, and these are the words that Jesus said to his followers at the beginning of the message that he had after he had already been to heaven. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We looked at that portion of that verse last week, the Holy Spirit prompting us to be his witnesses. The second part of that is the witness part. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my, I want you to say it with me, witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so next week, we're going to take a look at the last part of that verse, but I want to focus on that one word today, witness. I want to focus on what, the meaning, what, the, what is the meaning of that word and what's its impact to us today in 2012 as Christ followers. What does it mean to be Jesus's witnesses here on earth? Well, if you take a look at the word and you do a word study, which I want us to do right now, and take a look at what that means, the Greek word that, that Luke was writing, because Jesus was probably speaking Aramaic, he spoke uh, Aramaic oftentimes, but when Luke was writing the record of what happened when Jesus came back to earth, he was writing in the Greek, and he wrote a word, and it's this, it's marturas, marturas, and it means witness. But I want you to take a look at what the English derivative is. Martyr. Martyr. It literally means, it more so means martyr than it does witness. And I'll explain that in a minute. And some of you are like, wait a minute, that can't be right. That's not right. Because what do we associate martyr with? What's the word that comes to your mind when you think of martyr? Death. Death. You're like, wait a minute, Luke, I think you heard Jesus wrong. 
Why don't you get him back here and have him re-explain it? Because I don't think that Jesus would ask us to be martyrs into the end of the earth. Come on, Luke. Really? Is that right? Is that really what Jesus said? Well, Luke wrote the book of Acts in the first century as Christians were beginning to be killed. And he wanted to have weight that went along with the word that Jesus used in the Aramaic. And the best word that he could find was this word that meant martyr. But I want you to capture this. The word martyr didn't mean and really doesn't mean what it really has meant to us in our day and age. Every time we think of the word martyr, we think of death. But what Luke was trying to communicate to his followers is what Jesus was asking us to do was to be his witnesses, to be his representative here on earth to the extent that we would sacrifice something. Because even in the first century church, not all Christians were being killed, but many of them sacrificed something. Some of them lost their possessions. Some of them lost their lives. Yes, that's true. Some of them lost their families. Martyrdom didn't necessarily mean death, though. It meant sacrifice. The word martyr actually means, I want you to capture this, and this is where we get witness. It means to bear witness, to affirm that one has seen or has heard or has experienced something. And so even back then, it was a legal word that went on over time to mean something of sacrifice. It was someone who was an eyewitness or someone who experienced that something had happened and went on to tell someone else about it. We, we think of witness, we think of legal, don't we? Many of you have signed an affidavit or you signed a legal document and you were a witness to something. Some of you saw a wreck on 278 in the middle of the summer, I'm sure, with an Ohio plate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And you witnessed that, and you had to go to court to attest to what you saw. But the word martyr has a deeper, a deeper implication than that. It means what you have experienced. And so today, I want us to get familiar and comfortable with the fact that if you're in here and you call yourself a Christ follower, that you are going to be asked to be a martyr. Not a martyr to death, necessarily. Hopefully not but a martyr in some sense of the word. You are going to have to sacrifice if you truly want to be Jesus' representative here on earth. It's going to cost you something. I kind of came up with this definition. A martyr is someone who is willing to sacrifice for their cause. That's it. Someone who is willing to sacrifice for their cause. You know, some of you who, who are Christians in here who, who believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, some of you lost something when you became a Christ follower, didn't you? Some of you lost your reputation, <laughs> didn't you? Some of you lost a sense of family ownership. Some of you lost the ability to do what you've done in the past because you know that God's word demands something different. And so when we decide to become Christ followers, there's a sense in which we all become martyrs. I don't think we completely understand that here in the United States to a certain extent, but I think we can have an understanding of what it means as we live our lives. Take a look at your notes this morning. A martyr is someone who is willing to sacrifice for their cause, but what exactly does that mean? 
Well, the first point, I only have two points this morning. First of all, being a martyr for Jesus means that our lifestyle is a direct reflection of our encounter with Jesus. Being a martyr for Jesus, being someone who's willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ, means that our lifestyle is a direct reflection of our encounter with Jesus. And so I want you, if you're a Christ follower in here this morning, to think about that time that you became a Christian. That moment that you said yes to believing that Jesus died for your sins. That moment that you confessed of your sins and became a Christian. Think about what Jesus did on the cross for you. There was a perfect, holy, righteous God, and you were anything but holy and perfect and righteous. And you and I and all of humanity needed someone to be the in-between, and God sent Jesus, his son, to be that, to die on the cross. Blood had to be shed so that we could have eternity in heaven with him. That was something great that he did. It was the greatest thing that he has ever done. But the problem is, is then that in our modern day Christianity, and listen, I'm guilty too sometimes. I'm the first to say that I'm guilty too. Many times we live a life that is not in alignment with the depth to which he sacrificed for us. See, sometimes our lives, we step outside of that alignment with Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. And sometimes we make decisions to live a life that might be marginal or might be not exactly what God wants. And when we do, we're not aligned. We're not uh, put in, in sync with what he did on the cross. And we become separated from the real message of Jesus Christ. And to be quite honest with you, if you're a Christ follower in here and you're not living in alignment with him, not in perfection, but in alignment with him, then it's very confusing to the world. And our ability to illuminate our world is diminished. Paul says this in Philippians 1.27. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You know what Paul is saying to this church in Philippi? He's saying, hey, I got you guys going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving you now because there are other places that need me to help them, and I'm going to be leaving you, and one day I'll come back. But what he's saying in the letter to them is he's saying, guys, don't shape your lives up just because I'm coming in town. I mean, we all do that, don't we? You know, like parents are coming in town, we shape up our lives, don't we? Even as grown adults. Students, we kind of like maybe hide some things from our moms and dads or our grandparents because we don't want them to see that part of our lives because it's really not in alignment with our faith. Paul's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't shape your lives up just because I'm coming into town. Live your life in a manner worthy. I want you to say that word with me. Ready? Worthy of the gospel. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And because of that, our motive ought to be living our lives worthy of that gospel. And we ought to align ourselves with what that is. And when we step away from it, we ought to get back to where that is. Listen, I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it too. I have to have many, many moments of realigning myself with a lifestyle that's worthy of the good news, that's what the gospel means of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it means doing that daily. 
in your life. And so Paul encourages us that we ought to live worthy of him. Not worthy for someone else. Not worthy because someone's coming into town. Not worthy because you want to impress your pastor. Let me tell you, I've been in many situations where somebody will tell a joke that's a little off color, and they're like, oh, Todd was there. <laughs> Man, don't say that. Don't be worthy of a human. Are you with me on that? I didn't give you salvation. Let me tell you, that did not happen. Jesus Christ is the one that gave you salvation. You ought to live your life worthy because he is the one who died for your sins. And he did something so great, and we ought to live our lives representing what he did. There ought to be evidence of that. I grew up in... um, Part of my growing up was in Orlando, and we lived in Orlando during the 1980s. And yes, I just dated myself, but I grew up in the 1980s in Orlando, and during the 1980s in the Orlando area, there were a lot of brush fires. And um, I remember walking outside, and you could smell the smoke of the brush fires that were like 50 miles away. And, and we would see in those brush fires kind of this smog would roll in from those brush fires that was real thick and real black, and it would, it would cause a haze over the whole just general area. And then sometimes we would see the plume of smoke going up in the area because there was one that kind of uh, had caught on fire, and we'd see that smoke going up. And then as a kid, I remember getting in the car, and we'd drive around doing our thing, and we'd come upon this, a piece of land that would kind of have this scorched earth, a black, dark, you know, brown, gray area. And my dad would say, hey, there was a brush fire there. A brush fire occurred there. There was evidence everywhere of a brush fire. That is what we ought to be as Christians, as Christ followers. We ought to have evidence, evidence in our lives, our lifestyle ought to have evidence that's worthy in alignment with the gospel, the good news of what Christ did on the cross. And so today, some of you may be challenged to take a part of your life that's not in alignment with what he did and get rid of it and give it to him and to ask him for the courage and the conviction and the help to be able to throw that part of your life away permanently. But there's a second aspect of being a martyr for Jesus as we described martyr this morning. And it's not just living, not just living a life that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus, but it's secondly, being a martyr for Jesus means that we share the story of our encounter with Jesus. We share the story of our encounter with Jesus. I will often use the statement, and it, could have, it can apply to our first point, from St. Francis of Assisi. It's a famous, probably his most famous statement that he said, that he wrote. He said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And I believe that. I believe that to be true. That supports our first point. But St. Francis, nor I, nor pastors in general, believe that St. Francis of Assisi was only asking us to live a life worthy of the gospel. There is an element of being a Christ follower that means, I want you to capture this, that you speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you actually utter the words of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. And in fact, the New Testament is full of instructions for us as Christ followers to tell or to speak or to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And we have that responsibility if we call ourselves Christ followers. First Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter 2.9. It 
He says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may what? Proclaim. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter goes into all kind of details there of who we are. We're a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. But he doesn't put the emphasis on those things. He puts the emphasis on what we're supposed to do without, that we may proclaim, say it with me again, proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into light. See, we have a responsibility to say the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell with our mouths what Jesus has done in our lives. And when God brings that opportunity into your life, you ought to say it. It's where we get the word evangelism from. And the church doesn't like that word anymore. Have you noticed that, by the way? If you've been in church for a long time, that we don't use that word evangelism. We kind of left it behind. But the business community has picked up on it, so much so that Microsoft has an evangelism department. Can you believe that? They do. They have people who they employ who are Microsoft evangelists because they think, I'm an Apple guy, but anyway, but they think that they have the best message, so they have evangelists that speak, that proclaim, and write, and teach about the message of Microsoft. Amazing, isn't it? You think we've got a better message than Microsoft? I think so. We have eternal life, and it's our responsibility as a as Christians, to proclaim or to tell about Jesus Christ. I want to read the message version of that same verse because I think it really kind of drives home. Now, the message is a paraphrase, and it's great in some cases to be able to understand Scripture. It says this, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, I'll get back to that one day. But anyway, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and to what? Speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he has made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Isn't that great? I love that. I love that. Because if you're a Christian in here, you've had a change in your life. You've had something that is amazing that has happened in you. And you know what? You ought to tell someone about that. You ought to share that with someone. There's someone who can use your story to make a change in their life. There's someone who needs to hear your story. And we need to exercise that, and we need to tell our story. We even give you the opportunity to do that on our website. And I want to encourage you to go there, not just because we want to hear it, but because we want you to begin the exercise of sharing that. You can go to hiltonheadislandcc.org and go to share your story, and you can type in your story. And I have found that when I write my story of how God changed me, when I type it out in words, it helps me to understand all that he's done for me. 
And so I want to encourage you to go to that and to share your story. But I also want to help you to do that. And so I want to use, it's in your notes this morning, and an acronym, an acrostic, I guess is what it is, uh, for REACH. And this is taken from um, uh, our core class, which is coming up on November the 11th, by the way. And uh, Susie Van Aswegen teaches this part of it. It's something that Pastor Joe at Low Country did. And I think it really gives us handles on what we should do when we encounter pre-Christians and how we can tell them about the story of us and God. So let's take a look at this this morning. The first one is R, reveal you are a Christ follower. Reveal that you are a Christ follower. Sometimes all it takes to start telling the story is to tell that person that you're a Christian. Sounds incredibly not awkward, doesn't it? I'm kidding. You can laugh. It sounds incredibly not awkward. Okay, that wasn't funny. Sometimes saying that you're a Christian is one of the most awkward things that we can do, isn't it? Let's face that. It's okay to say that in church. It is. It is telling someone that you're a Christ follower can be incredibly awkward. Sometimes, yeah, it just happens naturally in the course of conversation. You know what I've noticed? It often happens when there's a value or when somebody is asking you, in particular students, to do something that you know that you're not supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden you're pushed to a corner and you have to make a decision. Am I going to tell this person or these people that I'm a Christ follower, or am I not? And so sometimes it comes out when we're pressed on our values. Hey, I got to tell you, I'm a Christian, and I just can't do that. I have to draw the line, businessmen and women, somewhere. Singles with relationships, I have to draw the line somewhere. And I have to tell you that I am a Christ follower. I'm his representative here on earth. Sometimes it starts with just telling, reveal that you're a Christ follower. Secondly, extend an invitation to church. Extend an invitation to church. Church growth statistician George Barna says that the number one way that people come to church is, guess what? By you doing what? Inviting them. Inviting them. It's not because of all this marketing, yeah, that may get some people's attention. It's not because of all this stuff that we do that's fancy and, and all the website stuff that we do. Yes, it's important. It's very important. But you know the number one way people are going to come here on Sunday morning? It's you inviting them. And you know what they're going to say when you invite them? You know what they're going to say? Well, they're probably going to say no at first. But eventually, I believe they're going to say yes. If you stay, if you stay after them, If you lovingly continue to invite them, even when they say no, even when they say, well, someday, maybe, maybe, maybe when life crisis hits them, they'll come. When they observe you going through a particularly tough time and you rise above it and you stay stay strong in your faith and in your commitment to your family, they're going to watch that and they're going to want to be a part of it. Extend an invitation to church. And here's my commitment to you. If you invite pre-Christians into this room, they'll hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's my commitment to you. Whether it's in the message or whether it's some other form or whether it's in the music, they will hear the message of Jesus Christ. That's my commitment to you. So extend an invitation to church. Thirdly, ask your friends if it's okay to share your story. Let me go back to the second one for a moment. We have a great opportunity at Christmas to invite our pre-Christian friends to church, don't we? 
we have an incredible opportunity in the month of December. Imagine with me what would happen if each one of us invited one Christian friend in the month of December to come to church. You know why there are some people? It's okay. They only go to church on when? Easter and Christmas. And so be thinking in December. We have evening in December on December 2nd that you can invite them to. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. You can invite them all throughout December, and they will hear the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to have Christmas Eve services that you can invite them to. Invite them in December. It's a fantastic time to invite them. Okay, back to the A in ask. Ask your friends if it's okay to share your story. Don't be rude. Ask them, can I share how God has changed me? You know, when they're going through a particularly tough time, Say, hey, I've been through something similar to that. Can I share with you how I got through it? And you can share the story. And so ask your friends to share if it's okay to share your story. And the C goes along with that, R-E-A-C-H. And the C is communicate why you became a Christ follower. Communicate why you became a Christ follower. Maybe you went through all the different options and all the different religions, and you decided, you know what, this is the true message of salvation. Maybe you were brought up in a Christian home and you, like me, asked Jesus to be your Savior at a very young age. And maybe your story seems to you very bland. You know what? You need to share your story too. Each one of you who are in here today and you're a Christ follower, each one of your stories are going to be meaningful in the life of someone else. And you've got to share that story. R-E-A-C-H. Communicate why you became a Christ follower. And then the last one is H. Help your friend to meet Jesus personally. Help your friend to meet Jesus personally. You you know, the best way to do that is to think about how you met him personally. Think about the prayer that you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your savior and just help them through that process. I I use the ABC and you can use this. You can write it down if you want to. Um, I, I will use the ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and then confess that with your mouth. Confess that with your mouth. Actually say it out loud. And that's a real easy way to walk someone through what they need to pray to God. But you know, it's not the prayer that really matters. You know what it is? It's the intent of their heart. It's where they are in here. And you are Jesus' representative here on earth. And you can play an amazing part in leading others to Christ. We have a responsibility to go and to tell the world. We have a responsibility to go out there and tell the world. And the world needs to hear. The world needs to hear your story. I came upon this article um, some time ago, and I want to share it with you. It's from Our Daily Bread a number of years ago. Fritz Kreitzler was a world-famous violinist, and he earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions, but he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price for that violin, he returned to the cellar, hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it had been sold to a collector. Well, Kreitzler made his way to the new owner's home, and he offered to buy the violin. The collector said that it, the violin, had become his prized possession, and they would not sell it. Keenly disappointed, Kreitzler was about to leave when he had an idea. Can I play the instrument once more before it's consigned to silence? He asked. Permission was granted, and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. 
I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Kreitzer. Take it into the world and let people hear it. That's what you need to do with your story. You need to take it to your world. That story of God doing a work in you, and you need to tell it. You need to express it. I want to encourage you right now. Many of you are thinking of a name, and I just want you to write that name down on that piece of paper. It's just a first name. This is for you. This is between you and God. Just write that name down of that someone that you're thinking of that's a pre-Christian that needs to hear your story and ask God for the courage and the conviction and the ability to go and represent Jesus to that person. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I pray that you would help us to illuminate our world in a way that's pleasing to you. And God, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, God. We're always going to make mistakes. Daily, we're going to have to wake up and confess our sins to you. Daily, we're going to have to change our our mistakes and those things that we do that disappoint you. But Father God, I pray for those who are in here today who are Christ followers and their life is not really worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the strong name of Jesus today, I pray that you would seek them out. And Father, that you would change their hearts and they would take that thing or those things or that lifestyle or that sin or that thing that they keep doing that is disappointing to you and that mars Christianity. And I pray that you would take that and that you would help them to overcome that. And Father, I pray for those who are here today and they're Christ followers, <laughs> they're heirs of your kingdom, they've been adopted by the family of God, but God, we, we, we just struggle telling others about what you've done. And I pray that you would give all of us conviction, that you would give us the courage to be able to tell others the story of how you've changed our lives. Father, help us to be so bold to do that with the people around us. And specifically, Father God, I pray for those names that people wrote down this morning. God, I pray for those names that keep coming to the mind of those who are in here this morning. I pray that you would reach those people. God, it's not us who does the saving. We, we recognize that. It's you who do the saving. But God, we're your mouthpiece. We're your representative. And I pray that you would use our words in our life to illuminate the dark world that we live in. And God, for those who are in here today and they're thinking, you know, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. My, my own world hasn't been illuminated yet. And I just pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would cause them to believe in you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never taken that step and said yes to believing that he died for you, I want want to invite you right now to become a Christ follower, to become a Christian, to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're here today and you're in that boat, you're in that camp that I just talked about, I'm going to say a few words here, and it's a prayer to God, and you can repeat them silently and just in the silence of this room, quietly to God, just you and Him talking. The words, the prayer goes like this. God, thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Today, I believe. Help me to turn from my old ways of living and to live for you. And just in the quietness of this room, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. I promise I won't embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Over on my left here. Anyone else over here? Amen. In the center sections, anyone in the center sections? Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer along with me. On my right. Father God, thank you for these who said yes to you today, God. Thank you for the life that you give through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that we can have the hope of eternity because of what you did on the cross. And help us, God, help all of us who are in here today who call ourselves Christ followers to represent you well with our life and our words. You are so worthy of that, God. Thank you, and we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.